Shelley Miscavige. She has not appeared in public since 2005. Where's Shelly and what happened? Where is Shelly? We're looking at like 17 years of a person just missing. Shelly Miscavige was given into the sole care of L. Ron Hubbard by her parents when she was 12. This is where Shelly is believed to be being held captive. Do you believe that Shelly Miscavige is a threat today? Oh, absolutely. She's seen it all. She's been by his side the whole time. Welcome to the channel. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Claire Headley. Um, and this is the series, Where is Shelley Miscavige? Joining me today is my special guest and dear friend, Janice Gillum-Grady. Thank you so much for joining me today, Janice. I really appreciate you being here. And before we get started, congratulations on the launch of your new channel. You want to tell me a little bit about it? And of course, I will include a link in the description to this video. Great. Thanks, Claire. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, Mark Fisher and myself have started our own channel. And we we were in the Sea Org right around the time you guys came in. We left. Yes. So we have all the prior history because I got in the Sea Org January 1968 on the ship. Yes. So I have a lot of history and I was born into Scientology. So I have that history as well. And then Mark Fisher, he worked for six years for uh, Miscavige and uh, he's been around since 1980. So yeah, the two of us have a lot of history that we can help give to people to help them kind of figure things out and analyze what the changes are and how things were before in comparison to now. Yes, no, it's awesome. And like I said, congratulations. I just love that we are growing this um, organic movement known as SPTV. <laughs> it seems like there's new, new, new channels and voices popping up almost every day, which is just amazing. We are, yeah. I think, gaining momentum and it is really important, like you said. And and you guys absolutely bring a unique perspective. And of course, you're one of the the now not so many people um, who worked very, very closely for many years with, with Hubbard. Correct. Yeah, not a lot of us left. No, exactly. So absolutely. Um, everyone listening, subscribe to Janice and Mark's channel. Don't forget to do that. And and don't forget to subscribe here as well while we're at it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But our channel is called Our Scientology Stories, Peeling the Onion. Perfect. Because, because things come off in layers. Yes, they certainly do. Awesome. Well, with that, um, and again, for context for people who are new tuning into this series, um, my inspiration to want to talk about this question that obviously has become mainstream, where is Shelley Miscavige? And I think for you and I both, Janice, yes, that's an important question, but for a very different reason, because Shelley was um, such a prominent and essentially number two to David Miscavige for so many years that, yes, it's an important question to ask, where is the wife of this head of Scientology, but more impactfully for those of us who worked with and knew her personally, uh, what happened to his second in command? What has he done with her? And I don't think it's any mystery to us, which we'll be right. discussing here shortly, 
But to me personally, it epitomizes many, many of the things that are wrong with Scientology in today's world. Now, was she actually second in command? She wasn't just an assistant? No. I mean, she so she was his meaning. Yes, she was his assistant, but she acted on his behalf, was with was with him 24 seven at every single meeting. Um, That's that's what I mean. Like, okay, you know, so between Miscavige, Shelley, Larice, they were always very prominent figures. Shelley was at every event. She was at every management meeting Miscavige had at the base. Um, she was at, a, at every event meeting. That's what I mean. So yeah, yeah. She, wasn't, she wasn't the head of a management organization, but in terms of seniority at that base, she was absolutely number two. Okay. Yeah. That changed after I had left. I see. Interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're getting into it where you, where I'm have been very much looking forward to this conversation is that you've, you're, you've known Shelly since when? Um, I think she came aboard the ship when she was 12. Okay. So that would have been 72. Makes yeah. sense. I, yeah. I knew her sister, her mom and her sister came to St. Hill in uh, 1967 yes and they actually because my mom was in the sea Oak, we had an extra room in the house and they rented that room from us oh okay yeah so Flo the mother uh she was always on course or at St. Hill Lake or going to parties and she had 10 yeah. year old Clarice with her okay. and so I was 10 my sister was 11 12 and my brother 13, so she had a built-in babysitter to just leave Clarice at home with us. Huh. Um, and and how long was, was Flo there at that time? You know, I don't remember. Maybe six months that okay. they stayed with us. Which still yeah. is kind of shocking given that, so Shelly was, what, two years younger than Clarice. And then yeah. she has a, an even younger sister. Yeah. Camille. Um, Camille. So, yeah. so she... they were left behind in Texas with Bonnie, the dad okay. to take care of while, while Flo came to St. Hill with uh, Clarice, the oldest. Wow. Yeah. yeah. As, as a, as a mom of three kids now, that was, that's <laughs> unthinkable to me. Just, you know, side comment. <laughs> well, you know, at St. Hill, the parents were all on course or working and the children were wild. You know, yeah. we all, we were all left on our own. Yeah. And what were your impressions of Flo out of interest? Not not to sidetrack off Shelley, but I, I, I have yeah. I'm I'm curious about that part of Shelley's story. Yeah, I well I as a child, she you know, with her leaving her daughter always with us, I I kind of thought she was irresponsible because she didn't put Clarice in school. Hmm. So my brother, sister and I go to school and Clarice would just sit at home and do nothing. Wow, we we didn't even have a TV in England. Yes, so she, Clarice would just have to read books or do do puzzles, jigsaw puzzles, or whatever. But yeah, she just left her there at home doing nothing at ten years old. Wow, in, in a foreign country, and um, yeah, so Clarice would just wait for us to get home, and then she'd have playmates, and then wow. um, 
I didn't, after they left, I didn't see Clarice again until 1970. I think she showed up on the ship. Okay. So she would have been um, 14, 14 at that time when she came to the ship. Okay. And uh, yeah, and Shelly and Camille had stayed with the parents, I guess. And, and and even that actually connects another dot for me in terms of Shelley's story, because I didn't realize Clarice went to the ship ahead of her. So yes. two years ahead of her. Yeah. So there was probably an allure from Shelley's perspective of, oh, my older sister and look at all the fun she's having and all the, yeah, you know, she's working directly with Hubbard. So there was probably an appeal there built in by virtue of Clarice, I would imagine. Right. Right. Okay. Well, well, and also Shelley was from what I've heard, um, from someone who used to go to school with her in LA, Shelley was pretty much dumped by her parents at the uh, the Folo in Pack. Okay. And um, was on her own with no parents with her. And then Kimma Dunleavy, who was married to Tony Dunleavy at the time, later became Douglas. Uh, Kimma took a liking to Shelley. Okay. And kind of took on that motherly figure with her. And then, um, so when Kimma was went to the ship, she ended up working to help get Shelley to the ship. I see. And, and became her legal guardian because she knew she was just left on her own in L.A. Wow. Okay. I didn't, and I didn't know that part either that Kimma was her legal guardian. Yeah. Okay. Kim, Kimma stood up and took good care of Shelley. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell me about your experiences with Shelly on the ship. And, and I know, by the way, I'll just say, I know people are kind of all over the map on experiences with Shelly. So don't hold back. I just, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm just here to learn more about Shelly's life. Like I said, yeah. well, I didn't say this to you, but I worked very closely with Shelly in the eight years that I was in Religious Technology Center. For four of those years, she was running me directly. I would report to her with my battle plan, you know, my list of what I was going to do for right. the day. Um, and, and good, bad, whatever. She's a real person. And I just don't think anyone should have um, just be vanished for 18 years. So I absolutely agree with you. No yeah. matter how much you like or dislike someone yeah. that should not happen. Yes, should absolutely. And, and that's not what Scientology was supposed to be about. Right. Treating people like that. You just don't do it. Yes. But yeah, on the ship, um, when Shelly came, of course, you know, she had her older sister and Clarice was happy to have her there. Um, Shelly was considered a messenger in training because that's what she came to do. But to as, as that, she gets assigned different jobs around the ship. So she would be a, a tech page and run around and do things for for the case supervisor or for the tech sec or the director of processing. And at one point she then became the messenger for the aides and she okay. would run messages for the different aides and go get them things or get them somebody, you know, kind of like a Commodore's messenger, but for the aides. Okay. And the aides at this time was obviously management separate to Hubbard's Hubbard's messengers. Yes. Right. Yeah. They were all on the same deck. And the messenger sat outside Hubbard's office and he would call messenger and we'd go running in there and, you know, 
do whatever he needed. And, and the aides, she sat outside the aides area and they would call for her and she'd go do whatever that was needed. Okay. But, um, by the time towards the end, well, she came in 1972 and then in September 72, uh, she wasn't a messenger yet, but we all moved ashore in Tangier and we lived in Tangier until early December. Okay. And, and though some new messenger in trains were pulled to Tangiers, uh, Shelley was not one of them. Okay. And then when we all left Tangier and came back to the ship, Hubbard had already gone to New York. Okay. And, and so he was in New York from December um, 72 until September 73. And so when he came back, that's with Shelley's chance to finally uh, become a messenger. And we had three people on watches by this point, where in the beginning it was one person and then two people. And so when he came back from New York, we did three messengers per watch. Okay. And Shelley was like, what was the third person on the watch? Okay. And so she never got up to being a junior messenger or a senior messenger while we were on the ship. That didn't happen. Okay. Understood. Right. So then in um, late 75, she still was not 16 yet. And we moved ashore to America. So one of the staff from the ship had been a high school teacher in New York, Rich Cohen. Mm-hmm. And he, he had to set up a school in Daytona. And so Shelly had to go to school in Daytona with Rich. And then when we moved to Clearwater, she had to go to the Clearwater High School. Yeah. Mark mentioned this and I, I it was kind of shocking to me because obviously, I mean, I suppose at the time you were moving back to the U.S. So it was... And, and it was a much more, shall we say, troubled time period for Scientology. But oh yeah, comparative to me, like I was 16, the second I joined the Sea Org, I never went back to school and it was just completely disregarded. So I was fascinated to hear Mark say that, that Shelley was going to Clearwater High School of all places. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know someone looked her up and found her high school yearbook picture. Oh, okay. It is, you know, findable. Okay. But, yeah, see, when we moved, um, yeah, the guidance office, like, anyone under 16 has to go to high school. Yeah. Or go to school. Well, Lois Riesdorf was nearly 16, and she pleaded with Hubbard directly and said, please don't make me go to school. You know, and she'd been, she was from South Africa. Yeah. I'd never been in the U.S. schools or anything. So he let her out of it. Hmm. And so she moved to uh, to uh, King Arthur's Court where we were living in Dunedin, where Shelley had to live at the Fort Harrison, her and Mark Yeager, and go to school from there because they had to get up at six in the, you know, catch the bus at six in the morning or something ridiculous. So Shelley was not with Hubbard as a messenger during that time we were in Clearwater because she had her schooling and then after school they'd do their homework and then they would, they'd work on, you know, chasing up programs or compliance for things, but the priority for them was school. Okay. I understand. 
Interesting. And then, so what? So what was the next? So the next event. event? Uh, when was yeah. her, her birthday? Was what January? I think. Yes. Yeah. So January seventy-seven, she would have turned sixteen, and as soon as she turned sixteen, I was the in charge of the CMO in Clearwater at the time, and I sent her over to La Quinta in okay. California. And that's what we called uh, Winter Headquarters, or SU as in S Special Unit, or just S, yes. or Over the Rainbow. It has yes. different names. <laughs> I know. It was always so confusing reading the advices. I'm like, uh, yeah, and by advices, I mean, of course, you know what I'm talking about, but there's thousands and thousands of documents yeah. have written by Hubbard and there's all these different locations and they were all uh, secret. So you could never, even when I was reading them 20 years later, it was, <laughs> I had constantly have to be looking at where was this again? I don't remember. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So 70, early 77, Shelly goes to La Quinta and uh, she's there as a messenger in training and um you know, working directly with Hubbard as a trainee. And then in July, so it was not a long period, but in July was when the FBI raided the Guardian's office and Hubbard took off to Sparks. Right. And so, and so there was that whole time period there where he was not at W. And uh, so we all stood phone watches. And what I mean by that is we sat in the, in one of the little kitchen areas of off the library with a f telephone and we waited in case it called <laughs> <laughs> and then we all worked on revolt in the stars script came down and so it, when you're on those watches we all had to work on typing it out into script format okay so that was something we all did and shelly would have been part of that uh, and then January 78 is when Hubbard came back to the base, to W. And so Shelley was then back on watches through that. And she was, um, you know, help him in his office or down at Cine. Because okay. most of his time was spent trying to do the films. Yes. And she was like the third messenger on the watch. Okay. She, was, she was still um, a messenger in training or maybe just moved up to junior messenger status. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting talking about messenger training because Shelly ran that in later years. Like she was oh, okay. she was doing messenger training with me in, I think, the early 2000s or late late 1990s. She was always the 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 only person that kind of tried to keep that messenger training idea alive i think right interesting um and oh okay so let me ask you this because this is a question that i've had at during the course of doing these interviews about shelly so she, even though she didn't become a senior messenger undoubtedly she worked way closer with hubbard than david miscavige ever did would you agree with that yes yeah yeah she did do you think that he is jealous of her about that or um, made no. to feel insecure? No. No? Not at all. Okay. No. But, you know, he's smarter than her. Mm. And he catches on fast where she doesn't catch on as fast. And I never found her to be a great executive. Mm. She did not make 
some smart decisions. Like what would be an example? You know, I remember, I don't have a specific example. Okay. But in um, probably around 82, I think, um, I was the action chief. I'd been busted and came coming back up the ranks, and I was now the action chief. So I ran missions into you know, management or wherever it was needed. Yes. And uh, we were just starting to do the geo missions at this time with the geo takeover. Okay. And um, Shelly had, by default, had become the commanding officer of the CMO Gold. Okay, yes. Because my sister-in-law, Doreen, had blown, and she was the actual official CO. So, and Shelly had been her deputy or something. Okay. Anyway, um, I was talking to my brother, and my brother was gave me his motorbike, gave me his waterbed, and I'm like, something's going on that he's <laughs> giving me everything. <laughs> so I went down, I was talking to him, and just, you, you're not allowed to say you're leaving. Right. And uh, I kind of got that, that he was leaving. Yeah, And so I asked what was going on, and that's when he was just fed up with how CMO Gold was treating uh, the staff in Gold. Okay. And where was your brother working at this at this he time? Was, he was working at Gold. Okay. Understood. Yeah. He, he was, um, I think he was Treasury at the time, and he was also doing some of the LRH account stuff. Okay. Yeah. So... Um, I then decided, based on what he was telling me, I decided we needed to get an ops mission to CMO Gold and find out what is really going on, that the staff are being treated so poorly. And here's my brother, a seasoned vet, who's like just fed up with what's going on. Yeah. And by ops mission, for people for people listening, explain that in easy terms. <laughs> that is where you send someone in to observe and see what's going on. Yeah. And they report up. So as action chief, I'm okay. I've got the authority. I'm going to do this. I'm just going to originate this mission and do this. Okay. And Mark Yeager was my boss at the time. And I told Mark, I, he was the chief officer CMO. And I said, Mark, I'm going to fire an ops mission into CMO Gold and uh, see what's going on there because something's not right. Hmm. Okay. And he's like, okay, well, we've got to run it past the CO, the commanding officer, John Nelson. So I go, okay, well, come in and give me backup. So Jaeger and I go in to see Nelson and I tell him what's going on. I want to send a mission in to find out what's happening in CMO Gold under Shelley. And John Nelson's response was no, hmm. because he didn't want to have to de deal with DM. Okay, because they were they, married by this point. They were married by this point, and DM was in LA, you know, working on trying to get an all clear for LRH, so that all the legal was handled, so LRH could can, could come back to the base. Okay, and and also working on the geo takeover. So Nelson was like, "No, don't mm. do it." So I was I stood up and I'm like. With or without your permission, I am firing that arms mission. And I walked out. 
Yeah. And I went into my office. I grabbed Mo Samuels and I said, Mo, get in briefing now. You got to get in there because by tomorrow I might not be on post. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so, that, that's awesome that even back then you weren't afraid to step on anyone's toes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I had a habit, a bad habit with that. But so anyway, so I get Mo, get her in briefing, fire her in, and she just starts shooting email, uh, emails, telexes back to me, reports on what she's finding, and it was enough to uh, remove Shelly. Okay. And so just for clarification, so you're at the base. Yes, at the Gold and, Base. And CMO Gold at that time was also there. Yes. But and so Mo's on mission, but she's sending you telexes on the well, same that, property? Well, it, it's kind of called telexes. It's okay. a, a report. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I understood. Okay. So so, yeah. so she finds that Shelly should be removed from post. Right. But okay. meanwhile, meanwhile, I get commented and removed from post. <laughs> oh, okay. This because is... My- this is- yeah, so this is heading to, I have to tell you, this was on my list to talk to you about. So this is awesome that we're getting here. Yeah. Because I interviewed Jackson and Jackson was telling me that he was uh, watching you and Shelly on the decks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was trying to ask you about what happened. Well, yeah, so I get removed for direct non-compliance. Okay. But I'm like, I'm okay with it. I'll go down, you know. And um, so I'm on the decks. And within a few days, Shelly joins me. Wow. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> so did she know that she was there, though, because of you? Or what happened? I have, I have no idea. Okay. I never talked to her about it or anything. Okay. But while we're on the decks, uh Dave's assistant, Laura Malo, got in a major car accident. It nearly killed her. Ugh. So Dave now needed an assistant. So Shelly is pulled from the decks. Oh, boy. Now, now Jesse Prince says Shelly went through a cleanup. I don't know what she went through or anything like that, but she ends up being pulled from the decks and ends up on as Dave's assistant. Okay. And of course, by cleanup, you would be referring to interrogation as to what crimes she committed and correction on policies and things of that nature, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So that's how she ended up as Dave's assistant. Okay. Very interesting. And so then, so as his assistant, was she now based in LA or she was yes. still... Okay. Okay. Yep, she was based in LA and they pretty much lived down in LA most of the time. Okay. And they were pretty much down there. We rarely saw them except for until LRH passed away. And then they moved back up to the base. Okay. But before that, we had the pleasure of not having them at the base. i hear you on that one and so tell me about that transition when they moved back to the base and and um after hubbard passed what was that like well you know at first it wasn't bad except for i did disagree with dm coming in and dismantling a working installation which was cmo mark yeager was the co um kk was the chief off and i was operations chief Okay. And when we had a smooth machine going. And then RTC with Vicky and 
and Annie is uh, Vicky's boss, they decide that even if you fully had it, you need to get the false purpose rundown. Okay. Wait, hold on. Sorry. Let's just back up for a second. You said Annie was Vicky's boss? Yeah. From what Annie, position? Annie was the inspector general. Annie. Annie, the broker. Wow, I did not know that she held that post. She reported directly to Annie. Annie was the inspector general. And then things kind of changed around to that loyal officer. And Vicky took the title of inspector general. I see. Interesting. I did not know that Annie was at any point in part of Religious Technology Center. Yeah, well, they were there as her execution arm. Okay. RTC was, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I just didn't want to pass over that. So what happened is RTC is now saying you're no longer fully had it unless you've had the FPRD, which is false purpose rundown. Yes, to find your evil purposes behind any crime you've ever committed. Right. So we were all fully had it, and suddenly we're no longer fully had it, Hmm. and all the bonuses go away because we're not fully had it. Okay. Okay, so then Vicky starts gunning for Mark Yeager, who's okay. the CEO of the CMO. And, I'm sh- and Mark was very good. Mark was the type of person that he followed the policy, and you had no way off that job unless you got promoted. Otherwise, you went to, you went to cramming, you went to ethics, whatever it was to make you do that job. He was very okay. good at, at trying to keep things stable and people on the jobs for longevity. Okay. So Which that happened, all went to hell in a handbasket yeah, in later years. <laughs> it did, yes. Yeah. I must say Jaeger was one of the best bosses I ever had. Interesting. Yeah. But anyway, um, so what happened is I, of course, start mouthing off when the stats start going down. And I'm like, well, that's when RTC took away our bonuses and started enforcing FPRD to be fully had it. Yep. And it's their interference that has now caused this crash in the stats. Yep. So Vicky, of course, didn't like that. So Vicky is going after Jaeger and me. And okay. so it's now Jaeger and I against KK, who was the chief off, who was siding with Vicky. I see. And then so Pat gets involved with DM. Pat Broker. Pat Broker. Okay. Gets involved with uh, Miscavige, with Dave. And they stand by Jaeger and I. Hmm. And that that was the start of Vicky being taken down because she was trying to take down Jaeger. Okay. I get it. And so that was the start of her being taken down and then being assigned to the RPF and all sorts of stuff. But I never got full details on it, but I just know that – Dave came to me later and he said, you were totally correct on the date coincident on the international stats. Hmm. Interesting. And, and, and he and Pat both supported me on that. Okay. The more I hear, I must say, it, it feels like this uh, very complex game of chess being manipulated by Miscavige to s- systematically and carefully remove all key players. Yeah. Well, I... I with what was happening at that time, I totally agreed with it. Yeah. You know, take, because RTC was just getting too big, too involved, 
Oh yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that what you're saying is wrong. I'm saying right. probably you didn't see where it was headed either. <laughs> no, no. Right. But I did disagree then when, so that's when DM then decides he's coming up to int and he reorganizes and he takes over RTC and he moves Jaeger from CO up to the IG admin. And which was puts, in which was a position in Religious Technology Center. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then he moves Mark Ingber up to CEO of the CMO, and I moved okay. up to Chief Officer and the Deputy WGC Chairman, Watchdog okay. Chairman. So, yeah, that was the whole thing on how that came about. Okay. And and so, what were your interactions with Shelley from that point forward like? Um, you know, I didn't have a lot to do with her. But, you know, we used to go on Liberty before together, Paul and I, Dave and Shelley, you know, um, Jaeger and Michelle. Yeah, there was a group of us would all go hang out together. So I, I had a good social relationship with her. Okay. Except, except for she would bring up <laughs> when we were on the ship, you know, she was 14. I was 16, 17. But I was able to get into nightclubs without an ID. Mm. And, 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 and to be fair, at that age, that's a huge age gap difference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is a big difference. But at what I didn't acknowledge is I'd been in her position where you're too young. People wouldn't take you because then they'd have to bring you back when they want to go out at nighttime you know, and she was of that age. And so she always kind of held a grudge on me for not taking her on liberty with me because yeah. I didn't want to have to spend an hour going back to the ship to drop her off yeah. so that I could then go out dancing. Yeah. Well, to to be fair, it seems unfair to me for her to hold that grudge on you when her sister was there too. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And and so what were your so so this we're talking 80s, 87 now, right? Yeah. And yeah. what were your observations of David Miscavige and his relationship with Shelley? What was that like at that time? Uh I didn't see anything wrong with it. It seemed fine. Okay. You know, and, but Shelly started upsetting a lot of people because she would take notes of all of Dave's orders. Right. And then she'd put them into this time machine. And uh, this time machine would then be spitting out ethics chits. Right. Every little non compliance. And this is where. She does not make smart executive decisions mm -hmm. because this machine that she was setting up just drove everybody nuts. Makes sense. And and people would have to go to Dave and complain that Shelly's pushing me to do these stupid little orders when you're telling me to do this. And right. she's chitting me and sending me to ethics when I'm trying to concentrate on this bigger situation here. And hmm. it was like having a little chihuahua snipping at your ankles all the 
No offense to Chihuahuas, right? <laughs> oh my goodness! And what and what was David Miscavige's reaction to that? Well, he then told Shelley to back off on some of it, but she would then still keep going. Yeah. And I don't know if it was because she needed her stats up by Thursday two o'clock, you know, or yep. or Dave would then yell at her. I don't I don't know her, you know, uh, but. She was not making smart decisions on how to do her job. Yeah. And I can tell you, in the later years after you left, you you probably know this already, but that got so much more and bigger. Like she had that there was a COB communicator for incoming traffic, meaning David Miscavige had a, a communicator for incoming traffic, he had a communicator for outgoing traffic, he had a communicator for compliance, he had like three secretaries. I mean, there was like 15 staff. Insane. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And the bureaucracy that was able to be generated was unreal. Exactly. Interesting. Uh, All right. So, and so were there any other significant events or run-ins or experiences with Shelly in later years up until when you got out of there? No, I, I, oh, no, no, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. And and you obviously didn't have any interaction with her afterwards. <laughs> no, certainly not. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness for that, right? Interesting. Yeah. And so let me ask you this. If you could talk to Shelly now, what would you say to her? I have a room. Nice. You're, wel- you're welcome there. Yeah. You know, yeah. I would do whatever I could to help her. Yeah. You know, and and I'd even, you know, um heard different things. Oh, she might be here or there or whatever, you know, and and then I I talked to um another older messenger, Dee Dee, and she'd tell me something else. I'm like, you just blew that conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, if yeah. she needs help, I'd be happy to help her. Yeah. Awesome. I know that she is, uh, at least by my understanding, she has three RTC staff with her full time. Um, you probably know New Ann Rathbun. Yes. Yep. And yes. Antonella TZ. I, I knew Antonella. Yep. And Elsie Ben Ryan, who you probably no. didn't know. No. I knew Elsie since I was like 10. She was in the cadet org in the UK and. Um, she was from France, but either way, later in later years, she became part of Religious Technology Center. And I don't think that any of those people are necessarily bad, but <laughs> the fact that, that Shelly has three full-time people and then on top of that, whatever security guards and everything else. Yeah. Well, from what I've heard, and I don't know how true it is, she's kind of being treated like Mary Sue. So I would assume she's got a house, she's got staff. She does what she wants. Right. And you know what? That's probably not a bad life. Yeah. You know, instead of trying to find her, what is she going to do out here? Yeah. You know, she's probably settled in and she's comfortable and she's with her friends and she doesn't have to see her husband, you know. so I would hope so, though, though you think if she were happily living her life out wouldn't miscavige take advantage of that to shut down this question of where is shelly no because you wouldn't want anyone to get a hold of shelly or find out what their relationship is because you got to remember they're in california 
50% of his is hers. True. So if there's a divorce, she takes half those millions. Right. And then also if there's a divorce, she can be subpoenaed and say where all the skeletons are. True. Yeah. And that, that so, is a very valid point. Yeah. So it's better just to keep her happy living out her life with friends. Yeah. Did you know, by the way, that she always was stressing the the policy letter, the responsibilities of leaders, like she was Manuela? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. That was in no. later years. But it was just interesting because it talked about um, Simon Bolivar died in a ditch because people didn't flow power to him as they should have been. And Manuela should have been holding him up on a pedestal and, you know, whatever, all all the things, the extensive things covered in that policy. Shelley was pretty, pretty fixated on that, I would say. Wow. No, I did not know that. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. Well, yeah. And I guess, um, I suppose the only other reason you're, you're, you're right. And you raise very good points as to why David Miscavige would not use her to shut this question down. All of those are very good points. I, I've just been batting around the question to go, well, when it's to his advantage, he does do that kind of thing on a regular basis. So, but, but yeah, the skeletons in the closet, I, pro- I think is probably the biggest, the biggest, uh, most important item on that list as to why he would be best keeping her under control. And speaking of Mary Sue, one last question. Was Shelly close to Mary Sue or not really? No. Okay. No. I was curious about that just because, like you said, the parallels between Shelly's situation and Mary Sue's until she passed is very interesting. Yeah. No, they were not close at all. Okay. Yeah. And also, I recently learned Mary Sue had corgis. Yeah. And Shelly well, had beagles. No, Mary Sue had one corgi. One corgi. Okay. Well, Shelly ended had... up with five beagles. Yeah. No, and then Mary Sue had two other dogs later. Okay. But um, yeah, only one corgi. Okay. Vicious, Fair enough. Little, vicious little dog. <laughs> yeah. The ankles. <laughs> yeah. That's how the beagles were. There was a few times, like one time, um, the, the, the woman that was the, um, director of communication for religious technology center went up to Shelly and Shelly's office to drop off some mail and got attacked by this beagle and, and wow. we had to get her all, I, she had to get a tetanus shot. I mean, it was bad. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I didn't think beagles were that type of animal. Yeah, I didn't either. Some they weren't all vicious like that, but there was one, maybe two of them that oh, were okay. definitely aggressive, right. <laughs> kind of scary. And of course, you didn't want to be the target of that aggressiveness because, in Dave and Shelley's mind, it would mean you were out of ethics. Right? It, it, yeah. Well, that was the same thing. If Vixie barked at you, you were you had out of ethics. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, some things never yeah. change. I guess. awesome well thank you so much for filling in so many holes if you any any other thoughts in in closing uh, as to on this question where's shelly no i don't think so okay you know i i think she's probably happy where she is just living living out her life doing what she wants yeah let's hope so yeah all right, Janice. Well, thank you again for being here, for helping me fill, put this jigsaw puzzle together. It was very helpful. Yep. And again, congratulations on your channel. 
are Thank Scientology you. stories peeling the onion. Did I get yes. that right? Yes, awesome. you did. Yeah. Yep. So I'll, uh, again, I'll include the link. Um, and I'll also link to your books, which are awesome and cover so much of the early history that I had no idea about, of course, being that, right. you know, I was just born in the UK in the 70s. So <laughs> well, I was sailing the high seas. Right. Exactly. I know. Funny how stories um, collide. My mom joined the Sea Organization when I was four so that she could go to the Apollo to work with oh. Hubbard. She never did, of course, but that was her her driving driving reason for wanting to join the Sea Org. And she was going to take you along? To the uh, no, I don't know that she thought that part through. <laughs> I, I was an inconvenience. She was, um, at this point, she was 21. And um, yeah, I don't think she had a whole lot of foresight as to how that was going to work out. <laughs> Luckily for me, I suppose they implemented the 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 rule some, shortly after she joined the CIRG was implemented that you couldn't uh, that having taken LSD was a, a disqualification. So then yeah. she didn't qualify. So I wasn't actually the reason she didn't get, get oh, sent okay, to the Apollo. So Good. dodged a bullet there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that things got better for me, but that's another story for another day. Exactly. <laughs> awesome, Janice. Well, thank you again. I You're appreciate welcome. your time and see ya. See ya. Thanks. <laughs>